Hey, yeah. All right. Terrible. Let's get uh, let's get stuck into some mindset, guys. Mm. So we thought we'd talk about a bit of mindset and mindset around practitioners, mindset around business owners as well, uh, and how we can help that in general. Now, you had a bit of a story to start with, I think, Mick. Yeah, I think we're talking about uh, transactional thinking versus growth mindset thinking, right? Um, sorry, transactional. Yeah, transactional yeah. thinking on one end and growth mindset on the other end. Um, we you know, recently experienced one of our employees saying, um, yeah, that like the one percenters are great because they reward you because the more you do, the busier your list becomes and then you get a more flexible roster, you get more pay. So that's a really growth mindset way of looking at the one percenters being partner work, doing letters, doing phone calls. Um, and conversely, um, some other employees can feel like, uh, I should be paid for the one percenters that's yeah. transactional. Well, if I'm going to do something over here, am I rewarded for it financially? And as employers, it's obvious which ones we love, but we're also going to talk about how that leads to happiness and fulfillment as an employee and a young health professional. Does that make sense? Definitely. I think the transactional side of that, it's almost like you're trying to make a deal up front. Like, yeah, I'll do this. But if I get this in return, mm. scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. But as you said, it's not thinking long-term. It's not thinking what I'm actually doing and building for my career, for my pathway. And it's just not going to work. Like you get, might have that little bit of happiness then and there of like, yes, I got this. But you can't do that over and over and over again. There's nothing else driving you. It's very short-term mindset. is isn't really your transactional thinking. And, just thinking back to saying one of my mentors was telling me is that when we talk transactionally, you know, we look at one plus one equals two. But when we look at the value of people combined, one plus one can equal four or five. And what we mean by that is, you know, you're looking at what you can achieve together. And by working together, you'll achieve so much more than working alone and just going, I'm going to do this if you do this. Yeah. And that's that very transactional thinking. And I think that's a, a trap. You know, people will fall into it sometimes. And everyone will think that way at some point. It's just realizing and being self-aware that maybe I'm being transactional here. And how can I pull back from that and look at more growth mindset so we can achieve more together? And how do you like how do you do that? What would your tips be if you're a young health professional and you're feeling like, oh, I want to be paid for going out to talk to the F45 gym, or I want to be paid if I go out and do uh, three or four partner letters, for example. If you if you're a young health professional listening, finding yourself thinking that way, is there any reframes or preframes even that you guys can use or think of for that? I've got a couple of examples. I think this starts with goal setting, right? Like, what do you want to achieve, and what area or what like what lights you up? Like you mentioned, F forty five. Now I don't do F forty five. Send me there. Probably won't light me up. But if someone's going, I want to be the expert and look after everyone in F45, why wouldn't I want to go to those gyms more often? Why would I want to, like, if it's something I truly want, why would I go do this for me first? Like, why isn't that the fulfillment? And knowing what it's going to create down the track. Mm, exactly. And for me, it's, it's desire statements. Bring everything back to that desire statement. Why do we do what we do? Like you said, if, if going out to see this gym and working in this gym or meeting those type of people, they're your ideal clients. And you want to bring in more of those people so you're you're more fulfilled at work, then why wouldn't you do that? And what I think you'll find is people feel a little bit burnt out and they get transactional 
when they're not seeing their ideal clients or it's not moving them closer to their desire statement. And so it's sitting back reflecting, what do I, what, what do I actually want out of this? And why am I doing this? Because if you can understand the why behind it, that really helps. And sometimes it's, it's you know, being humble and you, do, you don't always know the why. You don't always know why you're being asked to do this social media video or get out there or talk to this particular person. And it's just asking, you know, why, why is this important? How is this going to get me closer to this goal and my desire statement? Mm. And having that conversation with your, with your team, with your employer. I think it's also, we've got to flip. It's not good for employers if our employees are thinking as transactional, but also like, let's, I was flipping that scenario. If employers were transactional and uh, you, let's say you're on a salary, yeah. which technically means you're working 38 hours a week. Yep. Are you seeing patients all 38 hours of that week? So if you are, if you are, unless you're more than 90% utilized, there's got to be gaps in your list somewhere where you can do that stuff. Your employer doesn't turn around and say, well, you didn't see, you weren't over 90% utilized. You didn't see uh, 15 patients today. So I'm going to, I'm going to pay you less because that would be a reverse example of transactional thinking. If, okay, you're not hundred percent utilized. I'm going to pay you less of your salary. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it can just go wrong from both parties. Yeah. Employers have to go, you know what, if our team are full, I'm still going to support them and be there for you and pay you a full salary and help you get to that busier list. And employees need to think about it as, hey, yeah, I'm not 100% utilized. What can I do in my gaps to make this happen? We're not even talking about doing it outside of work hours. Like really good young health professionals do because they love it because they're driven by what lights them up in their ideal client. But unless you're over 90% utilized, the one percenters can actually just be done in your normal work week without thinking transactionally from either party. Yeah, That was my thought. Anything else? Yeah, I look at that and I go, when I was back, uh, obviously working, you know, working as an employee in a team, I would get my notes done mainly during the session. I'd have a little bit of time after to do them. And on a 38-hour work week, I would be maybe 75% utilised. And maybe if you include note writing time and, and doctor's notes, maybe... 85% utilize that. Mm. So there's still 15% where, where I wasn't really doing anything. And I would often make the conscious choice to, to go on Facebook or to do something that wasn't really work related to take my brain out of it and rest that. But I always knew that, all right, well, I still have to do all these other things. Yeah. And I didn't mind going home and doing them in my own time then because I knew I was making that trade off of, I'm not going to do them here right now. I'm just going to rest here, my brain essentially. But when I go home, I'm more than happy to do that thing because at the end of the day, it's the outcome. If we can hit that outcome, that's what's really important there. Mm. And that's how I sort of look at that yeah. scenario. Did you have anything to add that? Or? I was about to say, like, my experience is similar. Mm. I was doing a lot of sports work. And so I would rush out of the clinic to fit clients in, but to get to sport on time, knowing I'm actually quite comfortable to sit at home, finish notes, send off letters. Because it was planned, I was comfortable with that. And as Pete said, it's almost like that was my rest during the day. And it was in a better environment. I could go get a, you know, make a coffee, make a tea, have food, do the other stuff in my own time. So like, what's the bigger picture that's going to send you forward? Like, yes, we need to do notes. Yes, we need to do letters. But what am I building for my career, for the clinic I work, for my profession? You want to go to the extreme levels. And if you're being transactional, let's say I'm not going to go to that gym because I'm not getting paid for that 30 minutes that I'm out there. Who are you really holding back? Who are you really hurting there? You're hurting yourself. Yeah. You're not bringing those clients in. Like, yes, your employer will be hurt slightly by that, 
But at the end of the day, it all comes back to you and you what you want out of it. And you've almost got to sort of selfishly look at it and go, what is my desire statement? What are my goals? What's going to get me closer to do that uh, to those? And what do I have to do to get there? And just really analyze that and, and go, well, if I have to do this, you know, you wouldn't even say if I have to do this, you'd say I want to do this yeah. because I know it's going to get me closer. Because if you're looking at transactionally, I'm not being paid to do this. Well, then you're actually not going to get paid in the future from those clients that you would have brought in. And you're not going to get that fulfillment from working with your ideal client there. I think we were reflecting on pay structure as well. And <clears throat> there's a bit of a, I think you did a live on it. We did. It's like, I like the model that is salary, but you also get rewarded for either patient numbers or revenue. The reason I like that is because I think it sh we, sh we need to have a reward for someone who has worked really hard for three years and built their ideal client base and is busy. Mm. Um, so I like that model because if you're someone who is growth mindset, who isn't transactional, I feel like you should be rewarded. Mm. Um, there's obviously downsides to rewarding people for patient numbers. And yes. there can be a line where it crosses. But what we're talking about today for me puts me in the, um, the, the commission-based model salary for security, but there needs to be something over the top for those people who have done one percenters for three years. Yeah. And, and when we're reflecting on the clinics where you start your career and there's just 50 or 60 patients a week for you yeah. versus uh, the career where you've hustled for three years to get your ideal client and how rewarding that is. Anything to add? Yeah. So when you talk about doing the one percenters and working towards all those things, I look at it and go, if you're doing that consistently, your list will be solid. Your employer will give you a higher base rate. Yeah. Even our team, if someone's absolutely killing it in the last 18 months, they've just been building and building and ticking the boxes and going out after their ideal clients. Why would I keep their base down? Mm. Like you said, in the early days, that commission might be a bonus, but I'd say because of that, like because it might be good for two months and yeah. then gone for six months that from a business sense is not stable. Yeah. You can't just keep paying overs, but if you have been doing it for two years, three years, then you should be able to get a higher salary and mm. people do do that. I think that's though people don't look even um, two, three years is still short term, but yeah. people aren't even looking that far ahead. They're like, well, what can I get in the next three months, six months? Yeah. Instead of that. Yeah. So I might take the job that's offering me 70,000 and then I'm getting dumped straight into a list that's 50 or 60 patients a week. Of not my ideal client. Of not my ideal client. Yeah. And that's really good for the first three years. But then at three years, you get stale and you get burnout because you haven't had the autonomy and the purpose behind your list, which we talk about with Dan Pig's book versus the clinic where you might be starting from zero you might only have a $60,000 base, but there is rewards over that 60,000 mm. based on how well you're going. We think it's obvious which one to choose because at three years you've achieved autonomy and purpose and then you start getting rewarded beyond that. Do you have anything to add? It all comes down to your perception, I think, of, of what you're doing there and the clients you're working with and mm. what you want out of it. <clears throat> you know, there will be some people who do just want to jump into a big list. And they don't want to go and do the hard stuff. They've got no real ideal client. They just want to see clients. They don't want to have to do the other stuff. Mm. And I think that's fine. Some people are going to be like that and that's fine. Yeah. But for the person who's really driven and you've got your ideal client and you know who you want to work with and you want to build a list, you want to be really, really fulfilled. You want to have that purpose. You want to do the best work of your life. 
then I don't think you can do that when you simply just go into a list of, and typically it's going to be, you know, your necks and backs and stuff like that, that, you know, you'll get pumped with clients there. It's probably not realistic to go into that and go, I'm going to change this list into a list of shoulders or a list of knees because you're not going to have the time to do that during work. It's very unlikely. Time, energy, you don't potentially the passion because you haven't opened the doors to actually attempt those things either. Mm. And then the opposite, like the opposite end, right? Let's say you are dumped in that situation. You're seeing 50, 60 clients a week for your first two years. What happens if the clinic you're working at starts to struggle? And so your list is going down, no fault of your own technically, but you've got nothing to top up your list because you've also haven't been working on it for two years. Like your reputation, the list building stuff is actually out of your hands. Mm. And at that stage, you don't even know how to build a list. You haven't done it before. Yeah. I see that as a massive, mm. a massive risk in, in a career because you're either going, do I move? And again, I've got to move somewhere that has a list for me. Mm. Or do I stay and I've got to learn it? So I'm now starting from scratch again. Well, in, in private practice, you're essentially a small business owner. That's what you are. You're building a client list. You are your own brand. And if you create a really amazing brand around what you do, how you do it, why you do it, and you get amazing outcomes, yeah. then it doesn't matter where you go. You will always yeah. be busy. You will always have your ideal client. And we see that time and time again. And we see the opposite time and time again. People who don't put in the hard work and they, they get annoyed. They almost, almost resent, I guess, the people who have put in that hard work over the first three to five years to get where they want to be. And these people haven't done it for that period of time. And I see a lot of resentment in that because it's very hard to go back and start again. Mm. Very, very hard. If you're, a, if you're a young health professional and you want to you know, build, build your personal brand and build your own, I guess, small business within the business, essentially, I would, be, I would be looking at that and going, all right, well, how do I want people to perceive me? And I'm going to consistently portray that and educate people and help people over you know, the amazing social media mediums that we have available today. I think I'll just say hello to everyone because uh, it's been a while. <laughs> so Kevin is on, Luke is on, Tyler, Andrew, Owen, Jackson, Jeffrey. I hope you've got sound now, Jeffrey. Um, Cameron and Reem and Laura, thanks for watching. We're talking about uh, growth mindset thinking versus transactional thinking, uh, particularly if you're in your first three years and, and people feel like they should be paid for the one percenters um, if you guys watching have anything to add to that, it's difficult because I think when you come out, you just want to focus on being a health professional. But what we've seen is that the, the more successful young health professionals are the ones that are eager, hungry. They understand that doing the one percenters now will build a fruitful career. Um, so if you guys have any experience in that or you've experienced it yourself, let us know. Is there anything else you guys want to add to today? A lot of the one percenters in, in that early stage there mm. are just building relationships. Mm. And think of building any relationship, it's actually just good fun. You, you go out, you meet people, you will create you know, lifelong friends. A lot of my referrers, you know, the first referrers I created when I came out, <clears> still <throat> really good friends with. You know, I attended someone's wedding. You know, we still catch up and have beers, a few of the other ones. It's just I've created great friends with them and they still refer. They still consistently refer. So if you look at it from that point of view is you're going to build relationships, you're going to build friends, you know, choose wisely. And it's don't look at it as a bad thing. Look at it as time to go out and just meet people, have a coffee, have dinner, you know, go and train at someone's gym, experience what they do. So much to be gained from that. So much. My final thought really is around, I've 
hopefully done a desire statement, I've got goals in place, but reflecting and going, am I actually doing what needs to be done to get myself there? Or am I just waiting and hoping it'll happen at a chance or the business I'm in goes that direction again by chance? Mm. Am I doing everything? And that's the part where I look at it and go, if it's really like my desire, then I won't sit there and be like, what are you going to do for me? Or that's outside of work hours. It's, yeah. I'll be putting 100% effort in all day, every day. And that, to us, that's what an ideal young health professional is. And obviously, it's win-win-win. The, the team member wins because they're developing their networking skills, they're developing their network, uh, they're getting better referrals, they're getting ideal clients, they're getting closer to your desire statement. Let's say I want to earn $80,000 and work a flexible roster. That's win for you as a team member. It's obviously win for us as business owners because we've got a happier, more fulfilled team member. We've got a team member working a roster. They're, they're more likely to stay in an ideal roster with ideal clients um, and it's win for the business. So mm. it's really important not to think, ah, oh, of course my business owner is going to ask me to go out and do all this extra work. The, it is literally win, win, win. And we're asking you to do that because in our experience, that leads to happier, more fulfilled people rather than getting to three years and just feeling like, well, I'm just going to work this week with 50 patients that aren't really mm. mine. And, and look, if you've got friends in other professions, mm. have, a, have a chat to them. <laughs> Many professions are on salary. Mm. If you go out and you start in law or you start in building, in construction as a project manager, manager or those sorts of things, you will, you'll be told, you know, you get $60,000, $70,000 a year and you need to get the outcome. And if that's 70 hours one week, it's 70 hours. If it's, you know, 40 hours next week, it's 40 hours. Yeah. But it's about that outcome and that's just what's expected. That's what's done and that's, that's something that's very different to the mindset in health, I think. I think the other thought, like zooming out is, um, oh, well, if I'm expected to do that, why don't I just go and start my own business? Yeah. And, and that's, it's an interesting thought. Uh, like I, under, I understand why you might say that, but what we're saying is we will support you fully with our resources, with our social media, with our contacts, with our brand that's potentially been established. And also we're obviously taking all the risk. Yeah. So yeah, risk. yeah, that's right. Just go out there and like make it happen. Um, you get to do that without worrying about paying for the lease, paying for staff, paying for team members, marketing. So, and being a business owner is more about, are you able to lead other people, take on the financial risk? It's got nothing to do with you going out and hustling patients. So I would like young health professionals to think, to stop putting the one percenters in the basket of the business owner. Mm. I, I don't, that's not what it means to be a business owner. I think every good health professional should be doing these one percenters. The business owner's job is to guide and lead the team, take on all the financial risk, take on a lease, have to hire staff, have to retain staff, have to put systems in place. Uh, I think I've heard some young health professionals say, oh, that's what a business owner should do for me. That's what a business owner is. And it's not. So I know there's a lot of people listening to this that will think that and maybe have reservations. So it'd be good to get feedback. That's all I have to add on the, on the topic. I think that's great. I think they wrapped it up nicely. <laughs> I would love to hear comments, thoughts. If you disagree, let us know. We'd love to discuss it more. There's never a right or wrong, mm. but the growth in all of us and the learnings come from discussion. Mm. Sweet. Do you want to... Tune us out. Tune us out. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive.